Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 16th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This week we talk expansion, specifically the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, some rumored expansion protection lists. Uh, they re-signed Teddy Bluger, we will talk about that. We will talk about some of the other interesting stuff around the league. Uh, some very weird choices. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, deciding to rush into a Duncan Keith trade headfirst and then watching like a bunch of other left defensemen become available like a day later, uh, including the crazy buyouts in Minnesota, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Um, and additionally to that, we have some free agent stuff. Uh, some big names going to hit the market as as it does every year. Uh, but one of them is a captain of a Stanley Cup contender. So very interesting stuff there. We will uh, talk about all that as well. So leading off, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, much like every team in the league, have to submit their expansion protection list by Saturday at, I believe, 5 p.m., so that is 22 hours from right when we're recording. And Rob Rossi of The Athletic kind of, in a tweet, speculated on, well, claimed rumors of what the Penguins are going to do with their expansion. And I can't say I love it. <laughs> so the tweet is potential penguins expansion based off of what i'd heard as of thursday so listen they're his sources it's you obviously can't really spill the beans on your sources publicly or else you know you don't have sources anymore so um you know take this for whatever it's worth but it is notable that somebody who's covered the penguins for a long time on the beat is talking about it and putting this out there. So, forwards, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Kapanen. Okay, so far, yeah. Teddy Bluger, Brandon Tanev. <laughs> okay, so uh, defensemen, Latang, Dumoulin, and Friedman. Hey, would you look at that? I've kind of jokingly thrown Friedman out there because I want those mid-tier defense contracts gone. Uh, the, the the last part I, I actually do like. The, it says Casey DeSmith, not Tristan Jari, leaving Jari exposed. Um, I think is a good sign that they're not happy with the 1A starter in Pittsburgh. Not that I think Seattle is going to take him, but I like protecting DeSmith because I think he has way more value at a million dollars or whatever he makes in a backup role than Jari does at 3.5 right now. So... Um, Jeez, that's an indictment, isn't it? What you just said then? Christ. <laughs> I, I think it's true. I didn't say you were wrong, buddy. <laughs> it's certainly going to send a message to Jari. If, if, and again, this is just based off of what Rob Rossi has heard. We will find out on Sunday what the list actually is. So we'll see how close to accurate this is. I'm hoping that it's wrong because you will notice that I did not mention Jared McCann. Apparently, according to this, exposed. Pretty ridiculous, in my humble opinion, to leave off a player who can play both center and wing, 
has a great shot, albeit streaky goal scorer. But guess what? That's the league. Even the elite goal scorers are streaky. So, like, what are you going to do? Um, his underlying numbers, really good. Um, believe it or not, less so offensively. He was excellent defensively last season. So, um, very useful player. Uh, and not to mention, when Malkin was out, we recall the power play doing well. Who filled in mm. for Malkin? But Jared McCann did a really nice job in that role. Who's going to be out to start the season? Evgeny Malkin. So it's really weird to me that you would leave a $2.9 million player that can fill all of those. He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Center, wing, uh, defensive, can score with the shot, play power play. It's actually quite asinine if you were to leave him exposed. The, th- the thing that I find interesting is that they can only take one guy, right? You, you, leaving him exposed is stupid because the contract's right and his flexibility is right, particularly for a new team. So you, and like you said before, with the mid-tier contracts on the, on the back end of the Penguins, you want to push the selecting team to head that way. So I would leave Zucker exposed. I would leave Tanev exposed because they're tougher contracts like to swallow so they might at worst they just don't touch them do you know what i mean so you've still got your team intact i mean i'd love them to take tanev although matheson would be first on that list and that's obviously not going to happen but that's that's why you you split them up the way you split them up you yeah i don't get it i, I just i don't get leaving mechanics exposed. were though the were those the gold coins popping out of Matheson's pocket right there? That must have been it, yes. I shouldn't play around with something metal in my hand and drop it mid-podcast. That's a very good point, right? Very good point. Uh, Listen, Brandon Tanev is a very good fourth-line player, but that's it. That's what we're talking about here, a very overpaid fourth-line player. It would be a benefit to the Penguins' cap situation and their flexibility to reshape the team to potentially become a contender again because right now they're not. Uh, Brandon Tanev, uh, to, uh, he's not a make-or-break player in the grand scheme of things. I hate to tell some people that. Yeah, very, but very that's fun not to how watch. he's perceived. Yeah, that's not how he's perceived, though. That's the problem. That's really need, crazy. He's the only one that needs he's on this. <sighs> Listen... He had a big goal, game-winning goal, late in a playoff game this year. Not disparaging him for that. But he has two points in his last ten playoff games. He's a fourth-line player. So, in my opinion, the best-case scenario for any team in an expansion draft is you lose a fourth-line player. It's a bonus if they take one that's wildly overpaid with a lot of term. (laughs) So... That's a win, no matter how you slice it. So to leave someone like McCann out there and Jeff Carter out there, who I I think they should protect because he's their first third-line center that's shown a pulse in forever, do you really want to take the risk of Seattle taking that from you? 
I, I, the, I, I don't like the prospect of needing to find another third-line center with Evgeny Malkin missing the first part of the year. So I suppose the thing for me with this is, like, <clears throat> we don't have this bit of information, but quite clearly they're all talking, right? Should be, yes. So you could make, you make the small assumption that they've been talking with the Kraken and the Kraken have said, look, we're not going to touch Carter, you can leave him exposed so you can protect somebody else. We, we are looking at maybe taking this bunch of, this player, these I, players out. I would see will do that, though. I'm not saying that they would do that. I'm just saying, how do we know that it's not happening? Because, yes, I, it, they can't afford to lose Carter. Because you can play second-line center until Merkin comes back, and then you get that... 2.6 million. Are you going to beat that yeah. cap hit? <laughs> yeah. So, I just... Yeah, I've, these things are always baffling. And I still think there's a power struggle going on between the GM and the, and, uh, the higher-up with Burke. I think they look at the game very differently. Perhaps. Um, you know, and we don't have a large sample of them working together. We have the Jeff Carter trade. That's pretty much it. And and Teddy Bluger signing two years, 2.2 million. Um, that happened uh, a couple days ago as well. So very minimal sample to, to see, you know, kind of their preferences and whatnot. But um, I'm here for the arguments about maybe not re-signing Jared McCann after next season because he's, you know, depending on the market, maybe he wants close to $5 million or something like that. I'm all for that discussion of, hey, that that's not going to work for us. Let's go in another direction. But when we are talking about the window that the Penguins have right now, and let's be honest, they might not even have a window anymore. It might be closed. That's true. They might be done right now. I know... That's not a popular thing to say. Their window might be closed already. Uh, for the sake of argument, let's pretend it's uh, open a crack or maybe a little bit more. <laughs> You're not going to do... <laughs> Losing Jared McCann for nothing is not going to help whatever this window is. It's just not. So I hope this list is wrong. It's pretty crazy to protect more fourth liners than third liners that seems like galaxy braining the entire expansion draft fourth liners for the most part are a dime a dozen and i already said brandon tan a very good fourth liner but you have them because you wildly overpaid in both aav and term so it's not like it it came if brandon tana was a 1.5 million dollar player i wouldn't be talking about him like this yeah, I know what you mean. But the cap hits do matter. The Penguins are out of money because Matheson's contract is fucking them. They're probably going to lose Marcus Pedersen, who's a very capable mid-pairing player with a track record of being successful with John Marino. They're probably going to lose him because of the Matheson contract because they are going to, in, in my prediction, look to find another goalie. So that money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Jason Zucker situation, I, I obviously don't protect him. Uh, I get that. I can't imagine Seattle would take him. If I was a betting person, all of this conversation we've had right now might not matter at all. <laughs> I think um, the analytics of 
Zach Aston Reese's defense and the people that work in Seattle's front office, I think there might be a, a match there. It might be they take a very uh, relatively cheap Zach Aston Reese. They look at him being in the 100th percentile in certain uh, defensive impacts. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy that he's in the 100th percentile because I don't think for a second, like Nikita Kucherov would ever worry about matching up against him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is a matchup laden scenario. Do you know what I mean? Know what like, I, yeah, I, 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 the defensive um, analytics, I, it's tough to, and this has always been the case in the discussions around it, it's tough to encapsulate the, the defensive values of players. So while I do think Aston Reese has had uh, been successful, uh, defensively, I mean, 100th percentile, I mean, there's that, that means you're at the top of the mountain. <laughs> and um, we'll see if Seattle values that. I think there's a much greater than zero chance that he's the player selected. And all the complaining we just did about McCann and Carter being left off, it might be for, for nothing. Uh, that doesn't mean I like the process because it tells me um, what they do and don't value. Yeah, assuming, um, like you said, it's impossible uh, for for myself and you to assume what's being said behind closed doors. We don't have that information. So maybe they already have an agreement in place. Uh, but one of the pop, uh, the publicly reported things is that Hextall has very minimal interest in swinging a deal to guide the Kraken on where they want to go. Um, he'll listen, and, and Rob Rossi said as much in a follow-up tweet, Hextall remains opposed to enticing Kraken to take a player by trading an asset, but Hextall said he would listen to Ron Francis, but more out of uh, due diligence than to actually follow through with a, a trade of that magnitude. So, it sounds like Penguins are going to leave people out there and they're just going to say, you know what, take them. Which I do think is the absolute 100% proper approach to this. It's just a matter of who you're leaving out there that I think I would disagree with. Yeah. There's no reason for them to swing a trade for Seattle to not take a player. Correct. That's right. It's not the Fleury situation where they had a perfect player to do that with. That couldn't have worked any better for, for both teams, really. They needed to get rid of a, an expensive goalie. And... There's such a clear path to, okay, take one of the fourth liners or one of our overpaid mid-tier yeah. contracts. Okay. The Pittsburgh really do need to get rid of one of those Matheson, Marino, Dumoulin, Pedersen contracts. Well, it's saying it, that I want to get rid of those players, but those four million dollar contracts through there plus Jerry's, like that's that's what they need to lose. I have no idea how they do it, but that's what they need to lose to reset if this door is open. Whatever's left. Well, Marino can't because you you CC's gone. You you know you need Latang Marino. There's not there's nothing past that other no, than no no I know it's just you you look through those those four contracts they're all four million there's one too many there is probably what I'm trying yeah it's going to be Pedersen unless Ron Hextall pulls uh, I mean Ron Hextall I believe got rid of 
Andy McDonald. Did he get rid of Vince Vincent Lecavier? Um, he did some work in Philly he... where he yeah. shunned off some bad contracts. So if he wants to reprise that and get rid of Matheson, that would be huge. But yeah, I you know who knows if they even want to go that route right now. Marcus Pedersen seems to be the guy that's going to be out on his ass. Yeah, all for an extra 800 now, basically. <laughs> uh, which is too bad because um, I don't think he's great, but he's certainly serviceable, competent, uh, you know, a little bit overpaid probably because there's not much, you know, steady Eddie. But the th- I suppose the thing for me with Pedersen is like, we I, I I enjoy talking about Brian Dumoulin and what he provides the Penguins, right? I think he does a great job. The thing is though, you move him away from Latang, and both him and Latang just drop a little bit, right? You have Marino and Pedersen who play together, and they play well together. You split the two of them, and that drop off between the two of them is substantial. So, not only if you if you lose Pedersen, you might lose the John Marino they think they signed for six years because last year wasn't a tire fire but it wasn't fantastic either yeah so uh, and Yuso Ricola can go bye bye he he carries a 1.1 million dollar cap hit somewhere in that neighborhood I don't know what he's I don't know what the fuck the deal is with that entire situation it is the weirdest (laughs) penguin ever how yep. did he make above league minimum and then never get in the games? Oh, and by the way, when he did, they played him at forward, didn't they? I think they did, yeah. It's, just, it's a very weird player-club-coach relationship, that one. I have no idea what's going on. I don't think he's I don't think he's bad enough to have deserved this treatment. I don't get that. I don't understand that at all. I mean, I'm not looking for him to even play. Just get rid of that cap hit. Let him play somewhere else, like... It's so strange that they let that eat into their cap situation. That has to be fixed right now. So either he's playing bottom pairing minutes instead of Pierre-Olivier Joseph, or he's got to go. Yeah. Because that's... So I'm looking at um, the projected cap space for next year. As in this moment right now. And the Tampa Bay Lightning have $0 in projected uh, cap space. They are over by a little bit. They got to, you know, we all know Tampa's got to figure that shit out. Because uh, Kucherov's contract's going to count again. So we, we all knew that was going to happen. Funny that. But second are the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh... They only have one million left, and one million and and uh, change six thousand dollars. So the the good news for Pittsburgh is they have a, a roster of twenty players, so it they could move forward exactly as is, minus the Seattle person they take. Um, but it's not good enough. It's not Stanley Cup caliber, so. You have to create more space to go shopping in unrestricted free agency because you don't have any good assets. Um, 
the one nice thing in the last week or so, uh, Jay Fresh came out with his uh, visuals of the, I believe the NHLE, the uh, prospect analytics, and um, you know, not really a surprise to, to me. Uh, Sam Poulin and Nate Laguerre did not fare well on those. <laughs> they um, that uh, formula or model uh, doesn't really give a shit about point per game production in your fourth QMJHL year. Go go figure. Um, so just because they're Pittsburgh's best two prospects doesn't mean they're any good. They're probably closer to C-level prospects than um, anything. So you're going to have to go fishing in free agency. you got to overpay a little bit. Um, where's that money coming from? Well, got to make it somehow. So the one way wouldn't be Jared McCann's 2.9 million. <laughs> that would not be the way to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see how I. They're in a bind. They need the Kraken to be idiots and do them a favor and take like a Matheson contract. They go, you know what? We will take Jerry. Not that they're going to. I think that's pretty clear that no one wants to touch Tristan Jerry with a 10-foot pole at the moment. Um, that includes the team that currently has his rights. Um, yeah, if the rumor's true and they're not protecting him, I'd say that sends a pretty solid message. Yeah. Um, they're almost in a situation where it would be in their best interest to just trade him somewhere. Like, to just dump him off somewhere. I don't know how you do that. Jari? Like, yeah, just well, I mean, yeah, to get rid of him. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. And I think I don't know how they do that because you know everybody's up bumped up against the cap. You go through that list that you 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 were talking about on cap friendly, and you, you go, oh crap, the Rangers has got a stack of space as well. Like so do the Bruins. You, you have a look at the fact that the Avalanche have got space. They've got players they have to sign though, which we'll obviously discuss at a later point. Um, I just yeah, I don't see where Pittsburgh have any wiggle room. Like, the flat cap has, has really hurt those teams at the top who can usually wangle their way out of problems that they create for themselves. But the flat cap's made that a lot harder. I'm not saying it can't be done, but uh, I'm glad I'm not trying to clean up the mess that's been left in front of me, put it that way. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, I do want to mention a little bit, uh, going to uh, Teddy Bluger getting a two-year deal, $2.2 million for each season. I have no problem with it. it felt I, would, harder, I wouldn't protect right? him in the expansion draft, even though I like him as a player. I think he's a good fourth-line center. Some people think he can push up to third. I don't necessarily think he's got the offensive chops yeah, to do it. I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he's got that either. Um, but would I be content for him to return to the Penguins and then run Crosby, Malkin when he's back, Carter, Bluger again? Yeah. I think that's solid. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I think it's a good signing. I don't know if it means anything for the expansion draft. Uh, I guess Ron Hextall signed a fourth-line center in Philadelphia right before the Vegas draft and uh, left him exposed, and I think it was Belmar, and Vegas took him. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, there is a direct comparison to Hextall signing this particular uh, player on a depth chart 
and not protecting them. So we will see what they do with Bluger. And I have no doubt they like him. Yeah, he fits, like you said, in regards to the, similar to the Zach Aston Reese scenario, really. We, Pittsburgh have been lucky in that they've got some players lower down the roster that do certain things very well, and that's why Pittsburgh have been good over the last couple of years. Um, and they're cheap. So, you know, as far as I've read everything with the crack, and they're trying to keep their salary cap as close to the floor as possible so they have flexibility to do whatever they want. So we'll see how that rails out. Guys like Beluga, even with the larger contract, and, and, and Aston Reese, who is at RFA, uh, you know, gives them that kind of flexibility as opposed to grabbing a, a Matheson who would just be a bad decision. So please be bad, Kraken. Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, you know, I think the Kraken are reading the market correctly. If we keep our cap figures down and don't just draft bad contracts because the players are decent but we have the cap space, instead they can not help these teams out that way. If you want that player off, you're going to give us some top-end draft picks, and we're not helping you out. And then after the expansion draft, when they're near the floor, they weaponize their cap space and say, hey, we can still help, but it's still going to cost you. Um, and there's going to be plenty of teams that have to, damned if they do, damned if they don't, and some of them are going to do. <laughs> yeah, correct. Some of them are going to make a deal with the devil or the Kraken and uh, that's going to happen that way. So it'll be interesting to see how close to this hypothesis uh, they are. And we're going to find out next week. So it'll be in five days, I believe. Thank God. I'm sick of this waiting and waiting scenario, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Right. And once that's done, everything's going to explode from there. Yeah. Because the season took so long to finish, I, and I remember hearing like all the reporters and stuff saying, oh, there's no gap between the end of the season and the expansion draft. And I'm like, dude, there's been so much dead air. You guys are now trying to just make stuff up to write. So, yes, I want it to hurry up. <laughs> so, I mean, a five-game series kind of shortened, uh, made the gap larger. Yes, that didn't help. So... You're right. At the the thing that you said at the very beginning, they can only take one player. No matter who they take, it's gonna. Aside from somebody like McCann, they're replaceable. It's not gonna kill them. No, it's it is one of those things where the the Pittsburgh roster is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like we've known what it was the last couple of years. It's, yeah, it's made writing about them pretty fucking crummy. If I'm being honest, like this is probably one of the first off seasons where uh, there is potential for some cool stuff to happen, but I don't know if the Penguins are willing to go down those roads. So, um, yeah, <laughs> be nice if they did, but we'll see. Yeah, I, yeah it's. 
They only lose one player. It's not going to be anybody of massive significance unless the Swiss Army knife goes because that changes the structure of or the Carter. entire structure. Or Carter. Yeah, that's yeah. Same same thing. The structure changes of, of the way the roster's put together. So yeah, there's only two that I would be very upset losing. You lose a, um, a good fourth liner, you're still losing a fourth liner. Yeah. I mean it doesn't help, but it's And the other options are a favor. That's true. <laughs> If they are so it's either a fourth liner or a favor. That's a pretty good spot to be in. It is. And, so. and like like you were mentioning earlier in regards to, um, you know, Pittsburgh do have enough players to put a roster up at the moment, meaning they don't have to wangle anything crazy, and they'd still have a decent team on the ice if it stayed as it is, right? So... There are some teams out there that are going to have to make some pretty tough decisions. And, I mean, Colorado already have. They've moved Graves. Um, I'm almost certain they didn't really want to do that. So, um, uh, Well, I think um, they got that one young kid coming up. But yes, I, I realized that. And they knew they had to move. I mean, they still haven't got Landis Cog. Bowen so. Byram is who oh, I That's the name. Good get. So they so, still yeah. have um, Sam Gerrard. Devin Taves, Bowen Byram, and obviously Kale McCarr. Eric Johnson waived his no movement clause, so they they can protect the three. Um, three kids. Uh, well, I don't think Byram has to be protected, much like John Marino does not. Uh, Devin Taves for sure. Gerard probably. Don't know if McCarr needs to be protected or not. I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, I'm not either. Whatever. Anyways, they got rid of Graves to make sure they can protect all the people they need to protect. Pretty much. They're just going to try and fit everybody into the salary cap now. Yeah, so I guess if you want, (laughs) let's let's segue on into that. Their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, unrestricted free agent, so not even a restricted free agent anymore. Um, Yeah, he's going... Looks like he's going to hit the market. He's been talking about how he's been a little bit disappointed uh, that it's gotten this far. Um, I get it, but at the same time, Colorado, smart organization, they know they have some other big contracts coming up. I like Landis Cog as a player. That, that That's not what this is about. Um, the problem with any unrestricted free agent because of the system. He's 28. He wants term and money. It's going to be tough to give him what he wants. If he wants like $9 million a year, yeah, I don't know if that's a lot of past performance stuff. Yeah. Or even it's $8 not... million is, is pushing it. Maybe for a five-year contract. But if he's looking for seven, eight, like it doesn't really matter, and and you can't do it, which sucks for uh, them. Yeah, he's gonna want an increase on the five point five that he got though. Like, yeah, that's tough. Seven mil by five years seems fair for all. Yeah, because are they gonna let Sad walk? Uh, well, I suppose that's that's another variable. That's two left wingers that um, pretty solid for them. You know, it's 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 the it's the bit that I don't 
yeah, I, it, it's interesting how you you sit there with these teams and you go, oh, they'll be back next year, right? They'll be able to just get it right and go again. Well, Grubauer's a unrestricted free agent too. They're starting goals. Yeah, and he's 29, and you know, you do sit with this Colorado team, and it could look a little different compared to the one that you know should have probably gone a little further than it did. <laughs> well, the, you know, unfortunate and who they ran up against early, but yeah, well, I'll say this: they have 26 million in cap space. Yeah, they can. They they just can't get them all. That's their problem. Cal McCarr needs to get paid. He's gonna get like eight mil a year or some crazy thing like that, and he should. Um, they're gonna probably want to get cheaper on the goalie, even though they probably like Grubauer. I think he's the second best active save percentage going right now. So it's not like he hasn't been good. They and shouldn't cheap out on him. They should try and pay him at a high cap hit, but keep it short so that they can walk away from it if they if it goes south. But yes, I think you're right. They will cheap out on that. Brandon said they might say, okay, see ya. I could see them mitigating that by signing someone like... Thomas Tatar on a uh, stupidly good deal because of how he was treated in Montreal. Yeah, like getting some value <laughs> there. It would yeah. make sense. I mean, they have Nachushkin, who had kind of a rebound. Um, oh, I like Nachushkin. I'm glad he did do a little better. But that that's the kind of uh, bounce back they, they got with him. Andre Burakovsky uh, was a cast off from uh, Washington that they've kind of done well with. He uh, He's had back... Actually, Burkowski, holy cow. Um, his two seasons with Colorado, 58 games, 45 points last year. 53 games, 44 points this year. His previous high play. was 35 and 64 games with Washington. And uh, I think he was mis- he was misused there. It's, you know, it was a Jacob Verana problem. Same I thing. think Tomasz Tatar can be similar in that I mean, he's obviously older than Burakovsky, but they'll find would, that value. I could see him you, going there. If you were Colorado, would you look to try and trade Kadri somewhere no. to keep the others? No, no I, I understand his bullshit in the playoffs. It's actually incredible that he's fucked this up three times. This is sort of where I was headed. But his $4.5 million and who he is as a player, I, I'm still rolling the dice there. All right. No, it's... it's. Hey, look, this. I'm asking the question from a guy that's willing to roll the dice with Fleury every playoff year, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's, I get the point of the risk, okay? <laughs> that's, that's certainly a choice. <laughs> um, I never said I was good at gambling. I'm just saying I'm willing to roll the dice on that every year. <laughs> I just think the value with Kadri, um, too good at 4.5 mil. That's, um, I don't know how you're going to beat that with the contracts they still have to give out. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like they don't have to lose Brandon Sutt. They could, if they wanted to, trade Nazem Kadri. But somebody else will take him. It, yeah, just, but Kadri being a center... Deep. Correct, and that that's where the sort of the question comes from. It's like he's been problematic in the playoffs for you, hasn't been available because he's crazy at times. Like, how do you how do you go? Yeah, it's all great through the year, but we get to the playoffs, 
is he going to be available for us when we know that these other players on our roster will be? However, he is a centre. <laughs> and that has a much larger value. Yeah, I'd hold on to him, I think. Oh, yeah, it's fair call. So, it'll be very interesting to see the Landis Cog uh, situation play out because I think he will give a little money back to stay in Colorado. I, I Whatever you want to consider a hometown discount. I do not think it'll be a huge discount, but I think Colorado can get him cheaper than anybody else. And yes, it'll be interesting to see if yeah. he leaves. I think the term and the money, it's probably going to look ugly. And he's a really good player. Yeah. But it's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. one of those contracts. You're like, oh, man. Hope he you do good a, in the th- first three years of it. He plays a style of game that can really tax you at the back end of it, of your career. And... And that's the risk, isn't it? That, like you said, have a great first three years and hope that the last five isn't a fall-off-the-cliff scenario due to health, not due to lack of hands or something like that. It'll be, can he stay on the ice scenario? You know, it's like Gino. Gino's been like that his entire career. He's been durable his career, though. Landis Cobb? Yes. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, because, you know, you don't want to see good players fall apart, because then you don't get to watch them. He's got so, 512 points in 687 games. I mean, that's really good. You're correct. And he's their captain, youngest captain ever, I believe, even passing Crosby. I wonder how that'd go in Colorado in the fan base if he does leave, and, you know, he leaves for a seven-year... $8 million contract or something. It's like, that's pretty close to what they're probably going to offer. It'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, so we will see how that plays out in the very near future. Uh, one of the other things in the league, uh, well, which way do we want to go? The next two things we're going to talk about, I got to throw my hands in the air. I just uh, don't understand. So let fuck it. Go with the Oilers. Uh, Duncan Keith. <laughs> Uh, Duncan Keith is washed amazing player one of the uh, if not the driving force of the Blackhawks Stanley Cup success Uh, deserved all his accolades but he hasn't been a net positive for a number of years now maybe as many as five he's making 5.5 million for the next two years Oilers, Ken Holland, what? (laughs) What was the rush? Who are they bidding against? Here's the thing. Duncan Keith wanted to be closer to his son, which is totally understandable because he would go, what did he say, three months without seeing his son because of the border stuff and COVID. So he wanted to be closer to Western Canada where he could be by his family. Instead of Ken Holland being like, oh, I guess I have some leverage here. There are only so many options. Uh, We're willing to take on the salary. Uh, But no, he did not take that leverage. He rushed into it like a complete dum-dum and traded a third-round pick, which isn't nothing for a washed-up player, who they're going to put 
into a situation where he will not be successful. That I think to me that's the the worst part. They feel like they're getting Duncan Keith circus Stanley Cup winning Duncan Keith, and that's just not what they're getting. They think he's going to come in and and all of this experience and and stuff will just ooze out of him and just permeate through the roster in the locker room, and that'll make up for the fact that they're going to play him as probably a freaking first pair. Listen, he's going to play with McDavid. Oh, McDavid's man. still going to get his his because he's the best player in the league. And the Edmonton media will gobble it up and say that Duncan Keith is providing motivation for McDavid to want to win. And they'll come up with whatever they got to to carry the water because no media city carries more water for the local team than the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, They are the most pathetic bunch by far. How did this happen without having any salary retained? It's crazy. Ken Holland sucks at his job. Nick Lidstrom retired, and there's a salary cap, and oh no, Ken Holland, what happened? This technically should be his last fucking job. I mean, really? the, the Detroit Seriously. game should have been. He Look at Det- look how he left Detroit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, that's how Jim Rutherford would have left the Penguins if he didn't quit on him. Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh was certainly certainly tracking in that direction. I mean, Steve Eisenman's good at his job, and it's still going to take him three or four years to unfuck the Ken Holland mess. And the Oilers are just going to burn through McDavid's prime. Well, what's what's the is prime twenty six or is it twenty five? What's the what's considered the window? Because it's like twenty four you know, to twenty six, but understanding that McDavid's still going to be a m- amazing uh, player. Yes. No, no, no. But we are literally hitting. the But 24 his to personal apex, yeah, is going to be nowish, and they're going to waste it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, McDavid's twenty four, so you are entering what hypothetically should be his best years. With Duncan Keith. <laughs> and Oscar Clefbaum supposedly is not going to play this year because of his injury. Why, if you were the Oilers, would you not just take a massive run at Dougie Hamilton? Well, I, just, would, I why, don't. Why would he go there? Because they overpay him? Do they have any museums? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, they have to have a Wayne Gretzky museum there, don't they? He already got fucked with in Alberta. I know, I know. I, I am just saying there are other options. How about this? How about you wait a few days and segue into the next part? Oh, Ryan Suter's available now. Oh, Alex Edler's available now. Look at all these players suddenly available. It's almost like if you waited out an expansion draft, moves would start to happen. But now the Oilers can't do anything because they're fucking stupid. I feel like we've been saying that ever since the start like, of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. However long that's been. Seven or eight years. It's like, you know, everyone complains who's not a Pittsburgh fan about the fact that Pittsburgh got gifted, you know, all those number, all those top-level players. They still had to get the picks right and still have those generational talents go through there. Edmonton went through the same thing. It does show you that it doesn't always work out that way. But they have not helped themselves. 
no. with some of the decisions they've made in regards to roster management as opposed to just didn't have a, a generational player at the pick of the draft when they had theirs. Not that there's no nepotism in Pittsburgh with some of their hires <laughs> and stuff like that, but let's be Absolutely. clear. Absolutely. Mario Lemieux is the owner, but he's hands-off for the most part from everything over the years, except when he has to step in and say, uh, yeah, Crosby and Melkin are staying. You figure it out some other ways. Thank you very much. And in Edmonton, it's let's hire every former cup-winning oiler who's not good at management, and... Let's just keep making excuses for them because they won some cups in the 80s. And all these people continue to have decision-making powers. None of them are good at it. Um, they suck. What, what else is there to say? They suck. They have they have the, the back-to-back made... MVPs, and they're different players. Yeah, that's in it. The thing that's interesting in regards to how you say that the media carries the water for them you have a look at most of the media that do that they're all throwbacks from when they won the cup right so they're all got, old white men yes but they've all yeah, but they've also got these cherished memories of these people when they won and the relationships they got to build with them through those years people are human sports are human emotion and relationships matter with sports there is no way you can objectively get there and go to like Kevin Lowe and go, Jesus Christ, man, you've made some bad decisions here and print that and then still have a relationship you want to have with the guy that you, you know you idolized as a young Juno watching him play. It just, it, yeah, it just feels like the hockey media in Edmonton is in denial that hockey has moved on. It's like they're living in a different time. And like not the river. Era. And yeah. not the river. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it would be frustrating if you're if you're an Oilers fan and you're seeing that happen all the time. You know, it's like for us with Pittsburgh, it was frustrating watching Rutherford blow up the the length of the window because he would just burn through assets to fix errors that were self-made that he didn't have to do. This is a completely different type of mismanagement, but coming from the same era of leader. Yeah, so fucking Edmonton, whatever. Um, a little bit south of them, you've got Minnesota, and they bought out Zach Parise. Sure, I get that. Then they laid the the other bomb down. Ryan Suter getting bought out? That one makes no sense to me whatsoever, because he's still capable. Actually, truth be told, Parise... Uh, was still driving some offense himself. Uh, there must be a little bit more to that one. But holy shit, those buyouts are awful. I don't... It makes them yeah. irrelevant. We, we knew those contracts were terrible. And in a different timeline, it could be Pittsburgh buying those players out right now because Ray Shero definitely wanted both of them. Yeah, it's a good um, thing there's a multiverse, hey? Yeah. And... I, I got to tell you, I cannot believe, even like buying out Parise this year, it hurts. It hurts going forward. 
basically doubling that buyout because Suter's on the same contract. Yeah. I hate to say it. It's wild. <laughs> this is the uh, this is their dead cap space. 
that you fucked up royally and lost your best player to Russia. Yeah, which is not great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. no scenario here is great. good. <laughs> one one makes the buyouts a little more palatable, but they're still shitty buyouts, and you lost your best player. Yeah. And the other path is these are really fucking terrible buyouts. It's nuts. So Ryan Suter will be a free agent. He's going to, and I love seeing, well, he's got his buyout money. He won't cost a lot. Bullshit. If there's a market, he's going to make decent money. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. He's not going to be taking, like, if he's got 10 to 12, 15 teams interested in him, he's not taking a $2 million contract. Well, actually, how old is he? He's old. He's old. Oh, I love how you say that. He's just old. Well, he is. Uh, I only ask because when you hear people say what you just see, 36, because he still hasn't won a cup, right? So everybody's thought process with that is literally... Um, Oh, he'll go take less, go to a, Yeah, he'll go cup chasing, right? So, you know, I mean, Joe Thornton certainly has done that at the tail end of his career. Um, he was a lot older than 36 before uh, correct. he stopped making and his money. That's the difference, isn't it? It's like, you know, Thornton was into his 40s before he started doing that kind of stuff. So And even then some. Yeah, oh, good point. <laughs> He's still making um, $7 million a couple of years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I, I can't see Suda doing that. I mean, why would you? Someone's stupid enough to give you the money and you're still getting to play, you know. A There's a cup love. contender that can pay him. Somebody will buck up. He's not going to have to play for beans to be on a cup contender. Vegas. It, yeah. Um, Colorado... Uh, Toronto would be an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options. Let's let's not. Yes, yeah, there's definitely. Teams watch him show up and to... play. Watch watch him totally give us the middle finger. Play in Tampa for 750k or some shit. Yeah, like. like That's the move. Yeah, play for peanuts that's... in Tampa. Go for the three-peat. Actually, yeah. Question with that. That buyout money's coming from Minnesota, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he goes and moves to Tampa. They pay no tax, right? Don't know if it's How that because works, it's he's from Minnesota. By... Yeah, you knew where I was going with the question. <laughs> but there is tax based on your location, which would be less in Florida, um, yeah. for sure. So if he's, if he's getting paid 700000 he's getting paid 700000 He's not getting paid 580 due to taxes. Well, there's still federal tax. It's the state tax. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not... When you're talking about salaries that big, uh, it's not insignificant for sure. Um, it just be you're, talking about, sure you're talking about money amounts of what we probably make in a year. <laughs> yes. Like significant yeah. money. So. Exactly. It would just be one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take my buyout money from Mini and go live in Tampa. Therefore, my state tax on that is zero. 
but I would assume it would be still Minnesota tax based because that's where the money is coming from. Boston would be an interesting choice. Well, they do need to find something, don't they? Point being, he's got options. Yeah. No shortage of them either, so. Yeah, Minnesota, man. Just when they were starting to get interesting. Well, yeah. There you go. You're right. They are Buffalo of the Midwest. Right now they are. Actually, speaking of Buffalo, you live in the area-ish. Have you heard any rumblings of what's going on with Arkell? He's getting traded. (laughs) <laughs> All right, do I need to narrow the question down a little more? It's getting traded. That's that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the scuttlebutt. The scuttlebutt is that. Is he going to the Rangers? No. Damn it. The Rangers don't want to give up Kako or Lafreniere. And personally, if I were Buffalo, I wouldn't want them based on their yes, production I so far. Uh, so I don't think that makes sense minnesota seems to be still in the rumor um you know they got marco rossi who the sabers passed on to draft that quinn kid that was a mistake um i think you buffalo's best options probably la la has um quentin byfield the eighth overall pick Alex Turcott, uh, Arthur Kalia, if, I don't know. I think that's the other good prospect they have. There are options there, depending on what the Kings want to do. As far as the Sabres, like, Sabres are, you, you trade Eichel and Reinhardt, you're rebuilding. You're, yes. You're not, oh, I want um, another 24-year-old player who's really good. It's, nope. We fucked up. Guess what? We're rebuilding again, fans. How about it? <laughs> um, which sucks. But L.A. probably has some of the more interesting pieces to facilitate the proper rebuild. Yeah. Um, my dark horse candidate, and I would really like to see it, is Seattle giving up their third overall pick for... Jack Eichel, I'm sh- and I'm not saying that's a one-for-one one trade. You gotta, there's probably a little more to be done there. But the obvious implication there, the Sabres have the first and third overall pick. I know it's not the best top-end draft ever, but if you're going to rebuild, having two it's of the top three yeah. picks, I mean, it's, you could do it's worse. It's a good way to go about it, yeah. It's actually, I hadn't thought of that. That's a, that would be intriguing on both ends. Yeah, Seattle, who has tons of cap space, needs a marketable star player. Hello, Jack Eichel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the one I want to see. Although uh, Eichel in L.A. would be really cool. I might actually watch the Kings. (laughs) Uh, Anaheim's the other one. Trevor Zagris being um the the one piece there but the 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 ducks don't make sense the ducks aren't in a position to like getting jack eichel does not make them 
a contender. No. Like, they're phasing out of being relevant. They they almost should stick with their younger players and, and start that build now. Um, but they do have the assets I think uh, Buffalo would be interested in. But I don't think it makes sense for Anaheim. Not that Jack Eichel will not help any team he's on, but when you start throwing away prime uh, futures, when your future is not now, it it makes little sense. So. Well, you're rubbing Peter to pay Paul, really, in that situation. That becomes a problem. Nick Letty just got traded to the Red Wings. Really? In exchange Jesus. for Richard Panic and the 52nd selection, so a second-round pick. How the hell did they get a second-round pick for Nick Letty? Good for the Islanders. Well, they need the space. For, the, Par- for Parise. <laughs> the Islanders are going to be very interesting this year because just see how it all comes together with what they've got. That it's loose now. Are they going to keep Palmieri, Zajac? They seem like Lou people. Hmm. Well, they are. <laughs> are they going to extend Pollock? Pollock and Pollock? Yeah. That, I can't remember which time. one's up. Are they both? Uh, Pollock, Pollock is now. Pollock is next year. Oh, Pollock's already making some money. Yeah. Yeah, they got to pay Pollock. Right. That was about one of the best pairings in hockey. Yes, it absolutely was. So getting rid of Nick Letty's 5.5 mil for next year, I think definitely opens the door to just hand that money right to Pellick. Yes. Good piece of business by Lou, who I don't praise too often, getting a second-round pick for, for Nick Letty. Um, I can't imagine Nick Letty is still moving the needle like he used to. That was a good signing when it happened, though. Oh, yeah. And that was taking advantage of a Blackhawks team smashed Oh, yeah. Letty's... Letty's uh, Numbers, 32% offensive impact, 20% defensive, uh, 26% war overall. Um, Yeah, second round pick. Good job, Lou. (laughs) So, all right. um, Anything else? No, I think that's it. I think we've managed to cover it off, which was nice. Have that trade at the end. I, I bet we're one of few podcasts that have the Nicoletti trade in it right now. (laughs) <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> All so. right, let's wrap this thing up so we can get it out there before anybody else beats to it. Okay. All right. Well, expansion draft in five days. The next time we record, we'll have plenty to talk about, and we will see you then. Bye, guys. <laughs>